Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food businesses about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I'm talking with Jennifer Lopez and Emily Blattle. Jennifer lives in Paducah, Kentucky, and Emily lives in Scott City, Missouri, and together they run their cottage food business, The Cake Mom and Company. Over the past decade or so, they have sold dozens of custom cakes that run the gamut from elegant buttercream cakes to realistic cake sculptures. They are both truly exceptional cake artists. And when Jennifer moved to Kentucky a few years ago, she actually spearheaded the creation of their new cottage food law so that she could continue running her cake business legally. So we have plenty to talk about today. And with that, Jennifer and Emily, welcome to the show. Nice to have you both here. Thank you for having us. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I I did want to preface this episode just by giving people a little context, because sometimes people get on the show and are a little humble. And it's my job to tell the audience like how good you really are. So uh, I've seen a lot of cakes over the years because I'm, you know, just running forager. I come a lot of across a lot of cake businesses. It's probably the most common type of cottage food business I see and probably the most lucrative as well. And so I am always amazed by the creations I'm seeing. But that being said, your creations are consistently some of the best that I've ever seen. They are truly perfect and sometimes look photorealistic. So I just want to let people know that we're not just talking to an average or even above average cake artist here. Both Emily and Jennifer are truly exceptional at what they do. And if you look at their Facebook page, you will see what I mean. Some of these cakes, you literally just go, wow, that is, that is unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. And I I know that there are like a lot of cake sculptors out there that that do unbelievable things. Usually they're running out of a commercial kitchen, though. So um, I wanted to take it back to the beginning because I know you weren't born with these skills. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started with this whole thing? Okay, so I got started making cakes from my house because my daughter's second birthday. So I have a 15 year old. And when she turned, I think it was two, she wanted, I wanted to make her like a Dora the Explorer birthday cake. And I went and bought one of those formed cake pans that looks like Dora. And I just used, you know, box mix and the store-bought icing. Just kind of threw that together. And I was kind of hooked after that. I'd watched all those cake shows and really got into that, starting with her birthday. And what year was that about? That might have been 2006 or 7, because I think it was her second birthday, so I think it was 2007. And I'm just realizing, this is the first time I've had two people on the show at once, so just to clarify for the audience, you're Jennifer, right? Yes. And and so I just want to let people know who's speaking, and the other is Emily. Um, So Emily, I feel like you had a part in getting this business started as well. What, What was your role in it? Well, uh, Jennifer and I have been friends basically since we were born. We both grew up in Paducah. Um, our parents were friends. And so we've, we've been friends. For, we're two, our birthdays are two weeks apart. So we've been friends forever. So um, when she lived in, in Missouri, when she first started making the cakes for, made the cake for her daughter, and she told me how much fun she had, how much she enjoyed doing it, we kind of joked around that, you know, maybe she should, she should start doing this as a job. You know, she had a young daughter and and I was looking for maybe a chance to, to make some more money. And another mutual friend of ours, she and I were having lunch one day. And we're like, you know what? Jennifer just needs to start a business. We're just going to do this for her. We're going to start it. 
we're like, here's her name. It's a cake mom. And then I grabbed a napkin and a pen and I sketched out a logo and I said, here's what it's going to look like. <laughs> so we, we called her up a couple days later. And we're like, Jennifer, we have a business for you. And she's like, okay. And that's what we did. You actually took me out to eat. I was eating with both Didn't of we? you. Yes. And you just kind of threw that on me. You're like, hey, we've got an idea. <laughs> here's your name. And we've got a logo. <laughs> so you had it ready. So Jennifer, do you think that without their encouragement, you would have started selling your cakes? I don't think I would have. I was scared to even like bring it up to my husband at the time. I'm not married to him anymore, but at the time I was scared to be like, Hey, I want to start this business. And so then they brought that up at the lunch that we had. And that kind of gave me a little bit more like courage to bring it up. And he actually did help me out by giving me like 500 bucks to get started. And we went and started a bank account. And so then after that, I started like, okay, I'm going to start a website and just kept going with it and kind of got excited about it. So what was it like when you first started selling? Like how many cakes did you sell? Was it organic or what? Yeah, it was very organic because at first it was just like my ex-husband's family. So his like aunt had me make a cake for her husband. And then I think I made a cake for free for his mom to take to work. And then probably about six months after I like officially started, that's when I got my first order. And it was this giant like birthday cake with bright, beautiful rainbow colors with like stars coming out of it and a big topper. And I think I even had Emily on the other line because I was terrified to call this woman back and talk to her. And what was that first order? What did you charge? Oh, I don't even remember. It probably wasn't nearly enough, but it was the 60th birthday. Yeah, I have no idea. I could have to go back and look at the, I think at the time I charged maybe around 250 or $3 per serving, maybe. And how does that compare to what you charge now? Well, my last cake, I charged about $6 per serving. So I've gone up quite a bit because I, at the beginning of... I believe it was last year I made a bunch of cakes and then I realized that I wasn't even hardly making $6 an hour. And I thought I've got to start charging more because it's not worth my time. Yeah. And you're the one who kind of had the passion for the cake making first, right? But then I know, I mean, Emily, I've seen some of your cakes on the photos online and they are incredible as well. So Is it also a passion of yours or is it just something that you learned? Well, I also loved watching the cakes. I mean, this was, you know, 2008, 2009. So Cake Boss and Ace of Cakes, those were big shows at that point. So I loved watching them. I was um, not married then. I didn't have any kids. I, I had graduated college and I was working, but I still had a lot of free time. And I, at that point, decided to take some cake decorating classes. So I took the cake decorating class at our local um, Hobby Lobby, the Wilton Cake class. I took three of them, I think, like the first three that they had. And I was like, this is really fun. And Jennifer had already kind of started, had, had stuck her toe in the water and decorating. And I was like, you know, this would be kind of fun for us to do together sometimes. We would, we could have parties and we can decorate cakes together. And so I, I did it just to try it. I've, I've always been very, very artistic, creative. I have a, a, an art minor. I, I'm a graphic designer. One of my original jobs, I'm actually a marketing manager now, but so art and, and creativity has always been something that I love doing. And I obviously love to eat cake. So it was just, um, you know, a no brainer there. So I started, I started doing them too. And sometimes I would help Jennifer on some, she would, I'd go down to her house. There were a couple of cakes that I would go down and help her finish up. I know we did one for, was it your, your baby shower maybe? 
Yeah. Oliver's. Yeah. Oliver's. Yeah. And so I came down and, and helped her finish up the cake. And, and then we did a couple other ones like that when she was really nervous about some, I would help her, um, help her deliver and things like that too. So. Yeah. You're like my support system. <laughs> <laughs> I was back up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then, and then with, with me having the marketing background and the graphic design background, I, I was at least starting out the one who's kind of like, Hey, let's, let's try this. Let's look at some different ways we can get the word out. Here's how we can advertise. Here's how we can get some good PR for this. And, and um, just looking for opportunities like that, even when I wasn't necessarily making the cakes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What have you specifically done to market this business? Well, I mean, starting out, a lot of it was, you know, establishing a website. So we built a website early on. She and I, neither of us had ever done that before, but we figured out how to, how to build a site using WordPress templates. <laughs> and, we, and we did that. We've rebuilt it who knows how many times now, which is really funny because now I work for a website design company. So <laughs> I don't, I still don't design the websites, but that's where I work. So we did a website. As soon as uh, social media became a thing where you could get a business page on Facebook, we did that right away. Even before that, we were always taking pictures of our cakes and sharing them on our own personal social media pages. So social media has been a big part of it. Jennifer has always done a lot with, she'll write blogs about the, about some of the special cakes that we've done and that helps with our SEO. So we come up pretty well on that. I think having the longevity of, a, of an older site helps with that too. It's been there a long time. We've kept the same URL the whole time. So I think some of those things have really, have really helped from a business standpoint. And then just making sure that, that we stay branded uh, in everything that we do. So we always watermark our images. So if they're shared somewhere, someone can always see where they came from. They can't take them as their own. We created a Pinterest. We've got a, a, a corporate business Pinterest page and we share our photos there and we get a lot of traffic on those. Every, every day I get notifications. I mean, there's hundreds of views on some of those cakes. And it's really funny because some of them are really old, not even really that great, but those are the ones that people share and repin time after time again. And then we looked for, you know, local media opportunities. So doing things, we've both had random features in different magazines and, and newspaper articles and things. And then obviously your, your podcast too. So looking at those opportunities and, and making sure that we're telling our story and each, each time it's, it's happened, it's always had like a little bit of a different angle because it's been a different time. It's been a different time in our lives. It's been a different time in the, the, the global economy. The, the, just the climate has been different each time. But, you know, I think, I think having that availability and making sure that we're looking for those opportunities has really helped. Yeah. And to me, like at the end of making the cake, like the most important part is taking the photo to make sure it looks nice. And that when we're going to post it, it's bright. It's like, I've finally invested in a light so that it's kind of makes my room a little bit brighter and I can see the cake really well. And we've got the bake drops in the background. And we started out using like cardboard that you'd put up behind it. And oh my gosh, like, I wish I could go back and redo some of those pictures, (laughs) but now we've got like the nice vinyl backgrounds and I'm using a light and I just, you know, I want to keep doing better to get the pictures better because that's really what draws in the customers when they see that and they go, wow, you know, if you don't have a good product, they're not going to come to you no matter what marketing you do. Right. Yeah. Well, and certainly your cakes impress. I mean, the, the pictures speak for themselves. What have you done to learn those photography skills? Do you take courses online or is it just through research or experimentation? Mine is more experimenting with it. Like, you know, starting out using just white 
like cardboards and then finally Emily's like hey let's buy bake drops I'm like okay and then it like seeing how much difference that makes and then you know trying to get the lighting right and finally buying a light so all of it for me has just been experimenting because I don't really know a lot about photography and half the time I just use my cell phone because it's just easier to edit it and get the watermark on there I used to always put it into my computer and do Photoshop, but that just, I found myself like dreading it after a while. So like the smartphones have made it just so much easier for me personally. So I don't know how Emily's does hers, but that's how I do mine. Yeah. Um, pretty similar. I mean, I, I don't have any, obviously any photography training. It's just trying to, I look up things. I'm like, you know, how can I make this better? I looked, I looked up different tips on how to do it. I, I did buy a, a portrait lens, not an expensive one but just for my um, DSLR camera. So just a standard Canon, but I bought a, a portrait lens, a fixed length portrait lens that gives me some good depth of field that really did help. Like Jennifer said, if you've got the right backdrop, you've got the, the right light, and then taking the time to take a good picture, it, it makes such a difference. So I have a couple friends who are photographers, so talking to them about that, and even, even sometimes having them, we've, we've participated in some photo shoots with local photographers doing like styled shoots, and uh, they will always share those photos with us as well. So anytime we can get good photos of the cake. Yes. The <laughs> I love when we do those. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. With the smartphone technology these days with portrait mode and you can kind of simulate depth of field, do you think it's necessary for or helpful for people to go out and buy a DSLR camera to get that? Nope. No, I don't either. No. Nope. I, when I got the upgrade to the portrait mode, I was like, oh, yes, this is amazing. And I try to use that most of the time. Yeah. As long as you still have good light, because I mean, lighting is still the most important part of photography. So uh, as long as your lighting is good, yeah, that, that portrait mode is, is bomb. <laughs> yeah. Especially for a cake. Like you don't really need a big fancy camera for a cake unless you're doing some no. like artistic shots or something. Like Emily's really good at doing like these angled shots of cakes and stuff. And I'm always like kind of jealous. Cause I'm like, I can't do that. Like every time I try to do an angle of a cake, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not posting that. It's because I'm too lazy to take it downstairs where my backdrop set up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. Let's talk about the, the cake process itself. I mean, you've learned and improved your skills over time. Like, what have you done to improve your skills? Have you taken courses in that regard, or is that also experimentation? I would say the majority of what I do is just experimenting, but then I also will watch, it's called Craftsy, but they changed their name to Blueprint, and now it's Craftsy again. But <laughs> they have classes that you can download and watch and you know you buy them and keep them so I will watch those from time to time and then I just downloaded the other day I bought from Cakes by Timbo he has a an Etsy store where you can buy tutorials so I made his uh, it's like a bagel breakfast sandwich cake I don't know if you saw that one but that's like maybe my favorite cake so far that I've made because it looks so realistic I did see that cake and it is like one of the most incredible cakes I've ever seen. It, it right? really does look like a bagel sandwich. Yeah. Well, his tutorial helped me because before that tutorial, I think like last year I made a burger cake all on my own, just trying to figure out how these people are making these. And it looks like if I go back and compare the two, I'm like, that burger is terrible. And now I want to remake the burger because now I know how to make a bun and I'm so excited. <laughs> so there's like you know just like seeing how other people make theirs and I've seen cakes by Timbo in person like two times now 
I even took one of his little classes at the Show Me Sweets cake show and just seeing what he does up close and stuff. And he just uses really simple things like straws to make little holes to make it look like corn or to make it look like scales or something. And it just kind of blew my mind. So now when I'm like trying to overcomplicate things in my mind, I'm like, wait, I bet he's just using a straw. So I'll just try to like <laughs> think of ways to like make it look real with just using stuff around me. So I'm just kind of like constantly just teaching myself basically. And I've, I've kind of done some of the same. I did, I've taken some classes. I did some crafty stuff and, and, you know, watched some YouTube tutorials and different things. And then, you know, sometimes people ask for a certain cake or a certain technique and I say, yeah, I'll figure out how to do that. And then I go look it up and I figure <laughs> out how to do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, like I get a lot of inquiries. And I'm like, oh crap, how do, I don't know how to do that. So I'll have to go research it before I can even tell that person that, yeah, I think I can do that. So I have to go find out like how to even make some of it sometimes. So your your skills, you're, I mean, you're as good as you've ever been at this point, right? But I want to know, what does it take for you to make that bagel cake? Because it looks so intricate. But like, how much time did that take you to make? I would say if you combined all the time that it took, it was probably 24 hours because I started on one day and then I finished the next day. But like at first when I made the bacon, for instance, it looked horrible. Like, I don't know what I did, but I like overcombined the the fondant and so the next day I got up and I was just like no this is not acceptable so I then I I used cakes by Timbo's tutorial but then I ended up looking at YouTube videos for like people that make uh, clay models of like food and so I like watched a couple of those and so I remade the bacon and had to let it dry so it was probably about 24 hours total but it's a lot of just little details that you have to make and let them dry and then add them to the cake I think that that's a good point. Like why, you know, I think cake making is a wonderful occupation for someone to do out of their home because like Jennifer said, there are a lot of times that it's just waiting. It's, it's, it's waiting for things to get done before you can do something else. And, you know, if you were, unless you had, you know, 30 cakes to do in a day, that could be a lot of wasted time if you're in a, in a storefront potentially. So I think it, it lends itself well to that home-based home baker environment. Yeah, because, well, and what I want to do is more of, like, kind of the sculpture cakes like the bagel, and I don't really have an interest in doing kind of, like, those birthday cakes, like, little round cakes that people just pop out left and right, so that's why, I guess, to me, being at home, I prefer that over maybe being at a bakery where I'm just cranking out, like, six-inch, ten-inch cakes all day long. I did want to ask about that, because those cakes, you could sell more of those, you could probably make more money by selling more of those cakes, um, and I wanted to know why do you you focus on these perfect cakes? I mean, like very intricate cakes, but there probably is a level of diminishing return, right? To the amount of time you're spending on these cakes versus what you can charge on them. And I wanted to know, um, is that a business decision? Is that uh, actually a lucrative decision for you? Or is that just your own personal decision? I think for me, it's just more of a personal thing. Like it's definitely not lucrative because I'm not making cakes like every weekend. Like I have a, I run a Facebook page and there's these Kentucky home bakers and they're always making like 50 cakes a weekend basically. And I'm like, I don't know how they do that. But to me, I don't really even enjoy baking. I just enjoy the decorating aspect of it. So to me, it's more of a personal thing where I just enjoy creating something that's like a perfect bagel or like the one I did before that, that was like a marble buttercream wedding cake. Like to me, that's just satisfaction and seeing that completed. So it's not really as much about 
making, you know, tons of money every weekend. It's more about the creative aspect of it. I, I would have to agree with that. Mm -hmm. So then considering that, are there a lot of times where you will say no to customers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We probably say no. We probably say no more than we say yes. Yeah, I think we do. Like I had a month a while back where I probably told every person no that I was unavailable because I just didn't really have the time. And some of the stuff that they want sometimes, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to make that. I don't want to make you a what are those characters, those little puppy dogs that everybody always wants? Paw Patrol. Oh, Paw Patrol. Like everybody wants like that stuff. And I just, to me, I don't want to do that every weekend. That's just not what I'm into. I want people that want stuff that's more creative, I guess. It, it's something we, we've talked about this back and forth over the years. And there've been different times when we needed to, like you said, it is more lucrative to make those more um, kind of standard cakes. And, and they're, they're easier to make sometimes. And they're usually faster, but at what cost to you as the artist? I mean, there was a summer where when, when I had kind of taken the realm a little bit more, uh, Jennifer was, was preoccupied and couldn't, couldn't take some, and she had moved to Kentucky. So we had all of this, this customer base in Missouri. So I started, I started doing more of them. And again, I didn't have kids then. I had a lot more free time. And so, but I was still working full time, but I, I was starting to do more and it was filling up every weekend. And it, it gets to be where you start resenting having to get your mixer out, having to get out all those ingredients, having to clean up the kitchen again. And once it's no longer fun, then that's when I always have to take a step back and say, you know what, I don't need to do any for a little bit because I'm not enjoying this anymore. This is, this is my fun job. It, it's nice to make money with it, but that's not the purpose of it. Um, the purpose of it is to have fun, to be creative, to grow the skill and the craft. But um, for us, I think right now, that's kind of where we are. So this is a part-time job for both of you? Yeah, I uh, also have a different job. <laughs> it's more of my full-time job, I guess. Well, do you think that it could be a full-time job if you wanted it to be? Yeah, I actually did at the beginning of this year. I had kind of made a plan in my mind to get out of the job I currently have and try to do more cakes. And then all the COVID-19 stuff happened and it kind of just threw a wrench in all of my plans. And so for the longest time, I didn't even make a cake. I was just like, well, I don't know. And I started getting all these inquiries when stuff started opening back up, but I wasn't really ready to take them on. And I kind of told people no, because I was just like, well... I don't really know what the world's like. And it was hard to even take on customers because at the time, like I was going to the store, sending my husband to the store and there wasn't even butter. He'd be like, well, they've only got this brand or there's like no, none of this butter. And I was like, well, I don't want to take a cake on and then not be able to even get the product to make the cake. And I don't know that I would want to do it full time. I've always, I've always worked full time the entire time we've been doing it. And like I, like I mentioned before that the summer that I worked a whole, I did probably at least two cakes every weekend, probably for several months. And I made a lot of money. It was, it was really nice. I actually, <laughs> my husband, uh, I wanted to go on a trip to Europe and my husband was like, Hey, I don't really want to go. He's like, it's too expensive. So I said, well, what about, um, you know, I'll make a deal with you. If I can make enough money selling cakes, then we can go to Europe. And he's like, yeah, right. You do that. We can do that. And so I did, that was like in March and the trip was in uh, November. And so by July, I'd already made it up. And I was like, well, now we're going to Europe. Like, Great. But, you know, <laughs> that summer I worked really hard on it. But it really, it really did burn me out for a while after that, that there was just so much. Um, your, your kitchen is always dirty. <laughs> There's always dirty dishes in the sink. There's buttercream on everything. 
you know, so it gets, it, it gets you kind of in a funk. And then depending on if you're, if you're taking on a lot of cakes that don't necessarily have that creative aspect or the, the ones that you're, that you don't get to really experiment with the, the art side, the creative side of it, it, it does kind of wear on you. So. I would say that same thing. The, the business side of it has always intrigued me a little bit more anyway. I do enjoy making them. I love being able to, to devote time to it whenever I want to devote time to it. I'm sorry, we sound very privileged when we're talking about this. Like, I just want to make cakes whenever I want to make cakes. And I want to make the cakes that I want to make. But, um, <laughs> but it, it is kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, I've had a few weekends where I've had, you know, multiple cakes in a row and I get burned out too, because I don't enjoy the standing at my mixer and whipping up stuff. I just want to put the decorations on the cake. So maybe I should just work at a bakery. I don't know, but I just, (laughs) you know, I just be the decorator. Like, but I just don't enjoy being burned out by it after a few. So I just kind of pick and choose, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, your skills are certainly good enough that you could be probably running a commercial bakery, but you've chosen to stay at home. Is that because of your kids or is that just because you're not passionate enough about it to be doing it full time? I think mine is more because over the years, I've had a lot of uh, personal things that kind of push me back. Like I get feel like I was getting ahead and then, oh no, this has happened. So now you got to, you know, and I had a lack of money because I went through a divorce and it just kind of ruined me financially, I guess. So I had to start from the bottom and come back up. So I finally feel like maybe I'm at a place where I could start doing it full time from home if the world will keep running. <laughs> I think... For me, motherhood has 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 really influenced how much time I'm willing to to give to the cakes. My kids are still very young. My son is three, and my daughter's six months old. You know, I can do stuff when they go to bed, and I do sometimes do that. But then, you know, there's a lot of times, as you know, if you have, if you have young children, you don't get a lot of time with your with your spouse when they're awake. And so, trying to have some time that we can still be together when both of us are working full time, plus having in the in the evenings, and then try to spend a little bit of time one on one as adults. It, it does tend to take more time. I think maybe eventually when they're older, that could be something that I would want to do more of. So I keep all my stuff. I, I don't give anything away or sell anything. And my kitchen is still well stocked and ready to, ready to go at any point in time. But at this point in my life, I think it's, it's more important for me to spend time with my kids while they're little than, than make a couple thousand dollars making a cake. That's a good point because most people want a cake on a weekend. So you spend your whole Friday night up late and then all Saturday, like I had one cake that was like a 5 PM delivery. So my whole Saturday is just, you know, stopped because I have to finish this cake, take a picture of it, box it up and then deliver it. And when I get there, I have to put flowers on the cake. So that's another hour of my time. So then my whole Saturday is gone, you know, so I have, I pick and choose too when I take them on because I have children that go to their dads every other weekend. So a lot of times I'll look at my calendar and be like, okay, are my kids going to be here? Or are they going to be gone? So my three oldest kids, if they're gone, a lot of times I'll take a cake on the weekend that they're gone and that works out pretty good. But I, I still like to have that time with my children because working on weekends, it's when everybody else is calling you going, Hey, why aren't you hanging out with us? And you're like, well, I have a cake and they don't understand that. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about pricing a little bit. I mean, what are you actually charging for your cakes? I mean, uh, you've got different styles. I know some that are very elaborate, some that are more of your classic buttercreams, but even still those, those, um, have some intricate elements to it, but like, how much do you get per cake typically? I started using, let me see, I 
it's called Bake Diary. So I started using Bake Diary and it's like a, a software, but you don't have to download it. You just log in. And I think it's around 60 to $70 a year. And the last couple cakes, I put it into that and you put in kind of like how much servings and how much time you're going to spend. And it kind of gives you an idea of like how much you're going to actually make off of it. And I started kind of realizing that I need to be charging a lot more money than I was because I was only charging around three to three fifty per serving. And the last cake I ended up charging around six dollars per serving, which ended up making me actually a profit instead of losing money. Because I feel like a lot of times I end up losing money and I'm in the kitchen for hours upon hours that I didn't calculate into the the profit, and I, I'm not coming out making much of anything. And I think pricing is also sort of it's just, it's so hard to navigate because you don't really ever know with each cake how much time you're going to spend. Like there's a lot of times I'll be in the middle of a cake and I'm like, wow, this was definitely not charged enough. Like I should have charged way more. Do you feel like as you've gotten better, like as your skills have improved, you become a lot better at estimating what the cost of a cake will be? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it is, you know, when you first start, you just kind of, you feel bad too, to even charge too much because you're like, oh man, they're not going to order. And I've learned to just get over that. Like you cannot care if that person orders from you. If they don't want to order from you and they want a $50 cake, then they need to go to Walmart or Sam's and they need to call somebody who wants to work for free because I just, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I imagine that you get quite a bit of inquiries because your cakes really stand out. And I, I was just wondering, like, how far are people contacting you from? Like, are, are you serving a large area because your cakes are more expensive? Or, I mean, I, I don't, I just, I just kind of wonder like how far you've gone to deliver or, or someone has picked up a cake. Well, I, think, I know, go ahead. No, I was gonna say my, my furthest delivery, I delivered a cake to Louisville, but that's really because it was a friend of the family. And I guess I did my sister's wedding cake too. And that was over in about, three and a half hours away. So Louisville is about five hours from here. Most of mine usually stay within an hour. I would say an hour drive of where I am. Yeah. My furthest, I think at this point was Nashville for a friend that wanted to order a cake for her mom. And she saw me complaining about pricing on my Facebook. And she was like, I'm going to order a cake from you and I want you to charge me what it's worth. And I was like, okay. So I did. And then I had to drive it on the bumpy interstate all the way to like, it's Hendersonville, Tennessee, and it was terrifying, but it made it. That's kind of an interesting point is that it's not enough to make the cake, but you got to deliver it as well. What have you learned in terms of strategies or tips you have for delivering a cake? Include it in your time. Yeah, include it and pay, make them pay for it because it's like I've delivered so many times for free and then I've realized I've ended up spending like an hour at this person's reception place, you know, putting the flowers or the toppers or making sure it's stacked and leveled and everything. And then I haven't charged for that. And so now I charge for it. And then also for like wedding cakes, definitely you need to get the proper support structure because that's the the key really. <laughs> I was delivering a cake one time and it had these support structures in it. And so I was literally turning and driving as slow as possible. And I looked in my rearview mirror and saw the cake jump up and lay back down on like the very top tier. And I about had a heart attack, <laughs> but it, it, it went back and it was, you know, it was sturdy enough that it was okay, but you have to have the right support structure or you have these horror stories. 
the scariest thing ever. And and if anyone, if you do, if you have a client pick up a cake, oh yes, um, <laughs> you make them. They have to sign that they got it and it was fine, and you have a picture of it when they took it. And I'm sorry, and you have to tell them how to do, how to keep it safe in their car. But at that <laughs> point, it's theirs, and yeah, <laughs> it falls I, apart. I'm sorry. I had a lady pick up a literally like a one tier eight to ten inch cake. I thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. I didn't really tell her instructions or anything because I thought, surely to God, there's no way the slave's going to screw this cake up. So my husband's Facebook friends with her. So after the party and everything, he shows me a picture and he's like, the cake slid off of the base. And I'm like, how did that happen? And I guess she just, you know, drove as crazy as she wanted and, you know, slammed on the brakes and made crazy turns and stuff and didn't think about the cake sliding. But now I'm like terrified to even give people a one tier cake. I I prefer to to deliver personally because I want to make sure it gets there. In, in one piece because people just don't think about it that they need something level and even if like you said even if it's just one tier and, and it's fairly flat and sturdy it still needs to be a level place that can't slide off and they've got to drive like a grandma on her way to potluck with a giant bowl of chicken soup in the back so <laughs> right. I think majority of the time if it's in my town I will drive it to the house and like even if it's for free sometimes because I'm just like I just want to make sure it gets there have you personally had any cake failures during delivery? Yes, <laughs> but they always worked out amazingly. Like the first cake, like the one I was telling you about, the rainbow one, the, my very first like real order, <laughs> I put the topper on the cake. Like I didn't know because I'd never done this before. So I put the topper on. It was like a 60 that I had made out of fondant. And I put it in my car and I'm driving down the road and I'm on the interstate and I look in the rearview mirror and I see that the topper is like leaning forward on the cake. And I like, oh, it's like, oh my God. So I pulled over on the interstate and had to get out and remove the topper. And then there was this other time where I'd had this cake that had this strawberry bakery pastry filling stuff in the middle of it. And I didn't know to put like supports down inside of it so it wouldn't slide. So I get to the venue and I'm open my car and the cake has slid. So like the tear is separating where the, the pastry filling, you can see the inside of it and the cake has kind of slid apart from itself. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So my ex-husband, he picked it up and just like shook it and it like bounced back into place. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and he fixed it. And I was amazed because I was like freaking out. Like, how am I going to fix this? Here I am in the middle of Cape with, you know, this cake and he fixed it. And so every, so far I have not had anything major happen where I got there. Oh no, no, no wait! I did one time I drove and it was the smallest cake ever. It was this little tiny golden rosette cake. And I thought there's no way that this won't make it. So I didn't even bring supplies with me. I thought this, this is fine. You know, it was some cupcakes and a six inch cake. So I drive it to the destination and I guess my car was too hot. Cause when I got there, I opened the thing up and the rosettes have like slid off the cake from where it got too hot on one side. And I <laughs> didn't have any supplies with me. And I called Emily and I was like, is there any way you just happen to have some like buttercream icing? And she was like, no, I'm sorry. I don't. And I was like, oh man. So I had to go inside the restaurant and tell the lady, look, I'm going to give you a refund. So it was thankfully only like $35. And so I just gave her a full refund on the cake and she was so appreciative of it, but I was just glad it wasn't anything major, like a thousand dollar cake. Yeah. I think I, I too have been very fortunate that everything has been fairly minor and fixable on the scene, but it's something that every single time I'm, I'm like, maybe this is the time. This is going to be yes. my horror story. 
<laughs> yeah. I remember then, one time. Do you remember the time we delivered the cakes together where we, where you did the groom's cake, that Mario cake, and I did that really, really tall wedding cake? Yes. And we had to deliver them and, and my husband drove in my car and we had both of them in the back of my, of my SUV and we're, we're on the back seat, like hovering over the cakes <laughs> the entire way. We had to go down these bumpy roads and over railroad tracks and we both had, I don't know how many heart attacks. <laughs> no, it was I terrible. That. That, well, that wedding cake was like four foot tall. It was oh, huge. Yes. It was enormous. But then, like, I've learned from all of those times to always, no matter how big the cake is, take the emergency bag with you. Like, I have a bag right. stuffed full <laughs> of anything I could possibly need from, like, scissors to, like, even, like, one time I delivered a wedding cake and ended up having to go to Walmart to get something, like, a it was like a bakery sheet, so, so I could pick the cake up, because this was before I started putting feet on the cake. So I couldn't even get my hand up underneath this giant cake. So I had to go buy a, a cookie sheet that was flat so I could lift the cake up, because I didn't bring my little cake lifter so yeah it's just things you learn as you go yeah basically just apply Murphy's law to it and be prepared for anything to happen and it may or may not but just be prepared (laughs) well okay so those are some of the uh the bad stories but let's get into some good stories what are some memorable times that you've had with cakes I'm sure you have plenty of them Well, I think one of my favorite times because a lot of times I'll deliver these awesome cakes and like I'll expect people to go, oh, wow, that's amazing. And half like, okay, actually like 90% of the time, nobody cares. They're just like, cool, sit over there. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like I worked hard on this, but whatever. And so I made this birthday cake recently. I think it was a couple years ago, actually, for a lady here in town that owns a, uh, a florist. And I took it to Chuck E. Cheese and I walk in with it and she like had the best reaction ever. And she was just like, oh my gosh. And she just loved it so much. And I was just like, oh, people do like the cakes after all, because you never know. Yeah, it, it's, it's always nice to actually get the reactions. I know a lot of times like with a wedding cake, especially like the bride who has been the one who's been involved with it the entire time, you know, she's not there when you deliver your cake. <laughs> so, um, so you don't, you don't usually get to see that reaction. Um, so it's always nice to hear back from them and uh, and just hear from them. And, and a lot of times they'll send us pictures or, or just send us a little email that says, you know, we just loved it so much. And here's a picture of us cutting the cake or blah, blah, blah. There was one cake actually we did and we actually attended the wedding and we ended up cutting the cake for him because it was a friend of mine. And, and that was really fun to do too, because not only get, did we have to have fun and, and, and go to the wedding reception and everything, but you know, everybody there, if they came and got the cake, they talked about it and, and they were so excited to eat it, and they loved how it tasted and everything. So getting to be part of the entire process was was a nice a nice uh, change from what we normally get to do. I had a really tall wedding cake that I delivered, I think, about two years ago now. And that family, the first, they were like the most amazing people to begin with, just to deal with. And then when I went and delivered it, I had to like, it was so enormous. I had to stack it all at the place. And so it, that always makes me nervous. Cause I'm like, what if they come in and they hate it, but then her family would come and go and they loved it. They were just like, Oh wow, this is looking amazing. And they looked at the greens cake and they just thought it was amazing. And I was like, okay, I feel so much better now. But those are like the best times for me is when the customer sees it. And, and I really enjoy more hearing back from like, sometimes I'll get comments on Instagram and they talk about how delicious it was. And to me, that's, the most important part it might look nice but it has to also taste good or people are going to say well that was pretty but we're not going to go to that person again because that was you know didn't taste good yep emily do you have a favorite cake that you've made let's see 
I always, okay, so this is going to sound silly, but it may not be one of my like most advanced or anything, but I really love the cake that I made for my son's first, first birthday. It was a, a three-tiered cake and we did like a stormy rainbow theme for his birthday party. So I had all the, you know, decorations and stuff we did at my house, but we had all the decorations and everything. And so I made this three-tiered cake and the, the bottom one, I did, obviously didn't need three tiers of cake for a small family party. So the bottom tier was a fake, a fake tier that I still decorated. So it's got storm clouds. And then the second tier was, I'm trying to remember now, it was, it was like a blue sky with a rainbow stripes on it. And then the top one had his name on it. And it was just really special getting to do that for his birthday party and, and how excited he was. And then even the next year, actually all the ones I made for my kid, because last year for his birthday, I asked him what he wanted. And he said he wanted a blue tractor cake. And mom, I want a blue tractor cake. And I want it to be like daddy's, like daddy's blue tractor. And so I asked him over and over to make sure. So I was like, I don't want to make a tractor cake. <laughs> I was like, can't we come up with something good? But no, he just kept saying it. So he told me he wanted this blue tractor cake. So we did it. And when I made it, I made it while he was taking a nap. I was finishing. I let him help me a little bit at the beginning of it. Then I was finishing up the decorations while he's sleeping. So he wakes up and he comes into the kitchen. He looks at me and he goes, oh, mama, it's daddy's blue tractor look at it. And he was so excited. And so as everybody came in the house, he, he had to show him, he would take him over to the cake and show him, look, it's my blue tractor. So um, that was, that was just something really special. What, what have been some of the most unique requests for cakes that you can recall? I feel like I need to pull up some of our cakes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking a lot of the cakes I make, that are kind of cool. I end up usually making just for fun or give away. Like I made one that I gave away for teacher appreciation week. That was, it It was like on a piece of cardboard, but I rolled out fondant to make it look like a chalkboard. And then it had a stack of books, an apple that was made out of modeling chocolate and then like a post-it notepad. And then I had this pencil holder that looks like one of those Ray Dunn type of style with pencils coming out of it and then I took it to the school and everybody was just like oh my gosh wow and so I ended up putting on this little cart and having to push it through the school and I had to surprise the teacher with it and like that was kind of a unique one but a lot of times people just really want basic stuff and I'm surprised that there's not a lot of people out there who really want something unique I did um, one of my, actually one of my favorite things, I forgot about this one, was it was a fish. It was like a whole fish it's for a groom's cake. And it was when I first got my airbrush and it's sculpted. And I still love that cake. I still am in awe that I was able to do it because I didn't know what in the world I was doing at this point. It was a long time ago. It was probably 11 years ago. And it had like a, it was like a rainbow trout, I think. But that was a weird one. Like, it's a strange thing. And I think groom's cakes are some of our weirdest. Oh, I did a toilet paper roll cake. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was probably one of the strangest ones. <laughs> but it's come in really handy during COVID. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. I guess one of my weirdest ones was the Mario Castle because... Oh, that's true. Yeah. For a groom's cake, that was a unique one where they wanted this... There was this cake that somebody had made. I can't remember who it was now. But at the very top, there's like this Peach's castle. So it's like a pink castle in the clouds. And then Mario and Peach are kissing. And so they asked me to make that. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was crazy. But I'm like, I think that's one of my favorites from like back in the day when I wasn't as good as maybe I am now. Yeah, it was a cool one too. I'm looking through some of our pictures and there's one too. <laughs> Do you remember where the, the trend a couple of years ago where people put like bacon on the side of their cakes? Yeah. Like a groom's cake that had like bacon. Yes. On the I, <laughs> I do like that, that one you did where it was like 
you know, styled looking with all the different cakes. And one of them had the bacon going up it on the sides. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. I love that whole, that whole set. There was two weddings, like right there together. And they both had like a, a, multi, a variety of cakes and different styles. And then they're all smaller. Mm-hmm. And just a really pretty like tablescape. Those are some of my favorite weddings. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I looked through your pictures recently, and that fish cake certainly jumped out to me as well. And and then also, of course, the bagel, the hamburger, and then the Hocus Pocus cake was also yeah, something yeah. that I recall. That's uh, my favorite, I think. That's got to be my favorite that I've made, because I made that just... Well, actually, to begin with, my neighbor has a Hocus Pocus book that she bought off Etsy, and that's what gave me the idea. And I was going to make it for her. So I started making it. And then I found out on Facebook that she was going out of town. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make this anyway. So I went ahead and made it. And I loved it so much that I took it out and had my daughter do a photo shoot in her uh, witch costume. And she was holding it because it was, you could pick it up and everything because it had foam around it. So it was able to pick up and you could prop it up. And that's one of my favorites. And then, of course, uh, I I forgot about your beach cake. That. That's got to be one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the seashells? <laughs> Is that the one you're talking about? The one yeah, that you oh, took yeah. on vacation? Yes. Okay. So literally, we were like the night before we were supposed to leave to go to Destin, Florida. I got this idea in my head that I wanted to make this seashell cake. And so for six hours, I sat at my kitchen table and it was a dummy cake. So it didn't matter. And I threw all these seashells on there and then painted it gold. And then the next day we hopped in the car and I held this cake all the way to Florida. <laughs> and then it sat in my room for a couple of days and I found some beach spots and I was, I went out and like took some professional, you know, for me photos on the beach and had all these people looking at me like I was crazy, but it was the best thing ever. Like I just had this vision in my head of the seashell cake sitting on this, the beach and I like made it come true. <laughs> <laughs> I read the blog post you wrote for that one. I didn't read through the whole blog, but I did read that blog post. And that's when I realized you are the, the crazy cake lady. The... <laughs> <laughs> because it looks it's like, true. I mean, it's an amazing it cake and it looks like something that you would have charged like a th- over a thousand dollars for or something for uh, some wedding. But uh, just to know that you did that for yourself and held it on your lap for nine hours on your way to Florida, it just is like... I just don't I just don't know anyone else that would would go to those lengths just to get a picture of a cake on a beach but I don't either. That's why I guess you you put so much pride and perfection into your art. Yeah, it's like I just had that vision and it's kind of like why when I make a cake I can just see it in my head like finished and I guess that's what pushes me to finish the cakes and why I like the creative ones better cuz I can just have that in my head like this is what I want it to look like and so I just want to see it completed. That's the end of part one of this interview with Jennifer and Emily. They had so much good information to share that I decided to split this podcast into two parts, and I will be publishing the second half of this interview in a couple of weeks. I also encourage you in the meantime to check out their photos on Facebook or Instagram, as well as Jennifer's blog posts on their website. I think you'll truly be impressed. If you are thinking about starting a custom cake business of your own, head on over to Forge.com to check out your state's cottage food law. For more information about this episode, go to Forge.com slash podcast slash 15. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in part two.